Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Film Pigs podcast. It's an actual segmented show tonight, not a bacon. Somehow everyone was available. Losers. Uh, Is it segmented like a human centipede? (laughs) Yes, it's like full sequence. Full (laughs) sequence. Uh, I am uh, your guide for this evening. Uh, my name is Todd Anderson. Hi, Todd. Uh, hi, Steve. Hi, Todd. Hi, guys. I'm here with two guys named Steve. One is named Stephen Falk. Hi, Steve Falk. Hi, Todd. And the other one's named Steve Skelton. Hi, Steve Skelton. Hi, Todd. I'm glad that uh, Steve Skelton uh, didn't have to work on his robot tonight and that Steve Falk didn't have to work on his movies tonight. Uh, so we could all uh, talk again as 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 three uh, film pigs. I'm I love talking, excited. you guys. I'm, I miss so you very exciting. much. Missed you too. I like hearing you guys talk. I want to hear hey, you guys. Here's what what were you gonna say? Hey, I got a question. Are we like where are we all in uh, the vaccination uh, schedule? Because I got my I, I got my second Moderna, but I'm I still have about a week to go until it's uh, fully active. I was wondering uh, about that same thing because, like, technically, n- next month if we're all fully vaccinated, then we can do this in person again. That would I'm, be weird. I'm not I'm not getting vaccinated, you guys. You're not doing it. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yes, no, that's fine. No. All right. Uh, you know, uh, I don't. I Bill Gates can. Uh, he doesn't. I don't want him tracking me. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a really reasonable concern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I'm waiting to see, you know, I feel like, I mean, it was pretty rushed. We guys got to admit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's pretty rushed, you guys. It was very fast. And while I didn't attend a single day of science class, I felt rushed. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of enjoying this like new conspiracy folk that has come out of the pandemic. That said, you guys are welcome to come to my office next month. <laughs> well, I <laughs> I I don't care if you're not vaccinated. I'll be vaccinated. I mean, I've had yeah, COVID. No, I've had fine. COVID three times, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you have to be totally immune by now, right? <laughs> yeah, you've oh, survived yeah. it so many times. Definitely. Well, congrats. I I will be skeleton to answer your question. Uh, because I do believe in the science. Uh, I got my science? second uh, jab already. So I'll be fully, you know, it's two weeks after your second, right? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think I'm like, I think I was like a couple days ahead of you in the, in the vaccinations. Yeah. So both of us, by the end of the month, both of us will. Yeah, actually by, I, I, my date is June 1st. I'll be uh, full, considered fully vaxxed. Right, and I think like I think I got my second on the twelfth. So there you so, go, and my more or less, and and my son, uh, who because I'm not like Falk, unlike Falk, I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-vax. I just feel so like I've, it was real quick. <laughs> yeah, and he and he he's really he's anti uh, tracking microchip. Also that not anti-vax. <laughs> Sorry, go anyway. ahead. Important, important distinction. <laughs> anyway, the, all I was trying to say is I forced my son to get his first. So by June... Which one, uh, which one did he get? He got... Well, he had to get Pfizer. 12 to 15-year-olds have to get the Pfizer. Oh, really? That's the only one that's approved for they that. They make Viagra. Yeah. They give you... They give the kids Viagra in the Pfizer. Well, that's good. So, yeah. For... Yeah. Um... Yeah, so he'll be mid June. He'll be uh, he'll be fully uh, back. So that's why nice. like June twentieth, twenty first. I was thinking orgy. What are you guys? What are you guys doing? June twentieth, twenty first, around there. I'm good. I got nothing. Want to orgy? Yeah. Sure. So so you guys want to orgy? All right. Yeah, that gives me that gives me enough time to request the PTO. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so now that we have our vaccination statuses uh, updated for our audience, uh, I would like to hear you guys talk uh, about news from the world of cinema, a.k.a. Movie news. 
it's time for all the news about the movies that we, the film pigs, could dig up through our reporters who are out on the streets digging for dirt, trying to figure stuff out. Steve Skelton, what's your movie news? My movie news is, well, it's not exactly quite, it's not exactly quite movie news, um, because with everything streaming now, uh, movies and stuff is all blending together. Um, but it's the, it's the news. I just thought it was uh, a nice reminder of, uh, what happens when you're an idiot who pisses away the opportunity of your career, um, that, uh, Disney has announced that the Rangers of the, of the Republic, uh, the Mandalorian spinoff has been put on hold, um, since they canned Gina Carano, uh, and that was, uh, clearly meant to be her spinoff. Oh, really? And. Yeah, wow. and then she wouldn't stop saying awful things uh, on uh, on the internet, and Disney said, "Please stop saying awful things on the internet," and she said, "My freedoms say I can do whatever I want," and Disney said, "You know what? You're right. You're also fired." See, like I and, had and, this and, whole... and you're and the and the greatest opportunity of your entire career is gone. Guys, now. Ben Ben Shapiro's going to do a movie with her. Don't worry about it. She'll be fine. <laughs> oh, right. That that was that was how it tied into movies cuz it's now she's yeah, she's hitched her wagon to Ben. I'm assuming they're producing what his dramedy uh, script. Yes. Sure. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a dramedy. Yeah. It's a it's a romantic dramedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Antifa meets a MAGA and and I had this whole thing in <laughs> my the head, couple. this whole thing about Gina Carano in my head that, that, the, that they were just, Disney was just waiting for her to do something stupid so they could fire her because she's so bad. But what you're no, telling I don't, me, I don't think, I don't think that, I don't think that was the case because no. I mean, she, I mean, she repeatedly said, you know, like anti-vax stuff. She repeatedly said, you know, MAGA supporting stuff. She repeatedly, you know, was just constantly spewing a lot of the these very right wing conspiracy nonsense stuff, um, and being generally uh, an an idiot about it. And I, I believe Disney had talked to her more than once, saying, "Hey, let's cool it, please, because um, this isn't the image we want associated with you know our company." That, by the way, just a quick little reminder, this is the greatest opportunity you're ever going to have in your entire life. So you might want to think about not fucking it up. And, you know, she went, what? I listened to no one. I, I guess my point is that I'm genuinely surprised that they were planning to build an entire spinoff around her because she is terrible. She's a well, she's she's objectively an awful actress and she's not good on The Mandalorian. So I, I just yeah, but they were but I think but I think she had generated she had generated enough like uh, fandom support um, that that didn't that you know it's it you know you can get away with a lot more in genre shows uh, you know with uh, you know you can take like someone who's popular but maybe not particularly that great and then you surround them with some solid actors uh you know in supporting role and then kind of do your genre stuff and so that's uh, seems to be what the plan probably was right but uh you know well she's a dummy Stephen Falk yeah. uh Remarkable. Wh what's your uh what's your movie news what's your tidbit of news about the movies well uh 8 years ago uh mega producer JJ Abrams announced an adaptation of one of my favorite video games of all time uh Portal yeah, okay, uh, I read this too. There was also a Portal 2. And, uh, and, and then nothing's really been said about it in the last eight years, except recently he told IGN that uh, they have a script that's being written for the Portal movie. Uh, they heard a great take. Uh, so they probably, they probably developed it. The script didn't come in good. They shelved it. But someone had a new take, and uh, they love it. And, um, and they're, they're off and writing. So hopefully we'll have some... Uh, some portal news, some concrete portal news soon. Portal is a great video game uh, series. Uh, if you haven't played it, it's fun, it's dynamic, it's amazing. Um, there's a little bit of uh, in Incredibles 2, they have a character uh, called Void who has uh, a similar um, skill uh, that the, the portal's guns give the 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 hero in in Portal. But it's just a great it's a great skill. It's a great concept and. Um, I'm excited to see uh, what they do with it. 
Hmm. Do you know uh, if Jonathan Colton will be doing the score? Doing the yeah. The, I, I mean, the theme song. I, I yeah. imagine you can't you can't risk pissing off that fan base without yeah. involving him and uh, what's the tall English fella? Um, oh 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 yeah uh, uh, yeah. Who was in the second no, one? Um, yeah, hello ladies guy uh, Ricky Gervais's yeah. and J.K. Simmons and J.K. Simmons yeah. Um, Anyway, so I, I I really hope so. It's a it's a it's a great game. That is very interesting uh, news. Um, I have uh, some news uh, about uh, actress uh, Joan Allen. Are you what? familiar with uh, the actress Joan Allen? I, yes, I am. I, I do know Joan Allen. I that's it's you know we we used to do a segment here jo- just Joan Allen movie news. So I'm glad you're reviving that. <laughs> the J news. I missed it. The J report. Yeah, the J the J, J report. Finally, it's come back. Finally. Yes, uh, she was uh, recently interviewed, and uh, when she was asked uh, whether or not she would be reprising her role from Face Off. In the direct sequel, Face Off 2, which is currently in pre-production, she said that she had not heard anything of this. What? Uh, But she uh, is very willing to play the part and has suggested that the director give her a call. The director should give her a call. I agree. Uh, uh, This sounds like she will not be getting a call. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I feel like she's been forgotten about, but like with the rumors circulating around this was, it's a reboot. It's not going to have you know Nick Cage and all and and John Travolta and everybody, but it's not. The director has said, uh, writer director has said, no, this is a direct sequel, and it will have. Well, then you got to have like four people training faces. Oh, face, face, face off, face off, or face, four, face, yeah, with the four off. in it, four, four f- off. F F four four Joan C. Allen off. <laughs> jo- Take Joan Allen's face off. <laughs> Where was Joan Allen being interviewed? I I can't reveal my sources. There uh, was it back. Was it the, highly confidential? The, the SAG after magazine. I don't know. I don't the know. in flight. Uh, I don't know. I was high and looking at the internet, and I saw it. I was like, oh, that's interesting. It was either that or I talk about Kevin Spacey getting an acting job or Zack Snyder not letting people sit on chairs. But I went with John Allen because that, that I'm excited about face. I want to hear too. about what, what did Zack what does Zach Snyder do? <laughs> you didn't hear about, well, Snyder taking a page from the Chris Nolan interview playbook said that he did not allow chairs. He does not allow chairs on his sets. Because he doesn't want people sitting down when they're at work, which is what Nolan said. But both both of these guys, uh, like further investigation has uncovered that they do, in fact, have chairs on their sets. They're just very far away from where the action takes place. So people can go sit. They just have to sit far away. It's a lie. I don't know why these guys hate chairs and why, you know. They're going after chairs while still uh, sneakily using chairs. It's very confusing. It's definitely interesting news, though. It is. Well, I went with the Joan Allen thing, but you asked. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's movie news, everybody. I'm glad we, we got through that. And now we're going to get through the next thing, which is a theme discussion. Burn, burn, we're going to make it. We'll get through it, you guys. We're going to get through it. So, our theme this week, because... Joan uh, Allen. No, it's not Joan (laughs) Allen. Cheers. Cheers? This is not... Chairs. Oh, chairs. I thought you said cheers. I was like, okay, let's talk about cheers. The movie. movie. The movie. Cheers, the movie. Uh, So, because uh, he recently uh, left this mortal coil... I thought uh, it would be interesting to revisit the uh, the very kind of interesting, perhaps strange career of uh, the late great Charles Grodin. Um, I, w- I was thinking, you know, when 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 this happened, and I thought about it, I was like, we really probably should have done this years ago while he was still alive, 
because I realized. So so he could so he could have heard it. So he could have heard it and yeah. enjoyed it. Uh, but but more than that, it was just that I realized when he was passing and like feeling like, oh man, I'm I'm gonna miss Charles Grodin. I realized I was already missing Charles Grodin, and I, I have been for uh, uh, quite some time without realizing it. Because when he sort of basically semi-retired in the mid '90s, um, his his presence in the movies, I I. I missed it. I missed that thing that Groden does because I don't think anybody really does what he did. Um, so anyway, I'll take you through uh, basically his his career. Um, uh, you know, and like I said, he basically retired from acting in the mid '90s, but he did come back. And, you know, he's doing TV in the last decade. He was on a number of episodes of of Louie. Uh, in which he was very funny, uh, and I'd love to go back and revisit that, but I'm not going to because, you know, Louie grosses me out at this point. But he, he, uh, Louie jerked off in front of people. Yeah, yeah, if, I feel weird is, about it. That is correct. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it. I don't want to watch it and watch him. Uh, so, uh, like I said, in the 90s, when he semi-retired, he, he turned to autobiographies and talk shows, and he had, a, 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 um, a, a like, a news talk show on MSNBC for a while. Did you guys ever watch that? I know. Oh, right. I yeah. did. Yeah. I came across it. It was I, I kept waiting for the, the joke, because he's so straight. It's very strange. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I remember watching it because I liked Charles Grodin. I wanted to see it, but it just se- he seemed. I mean, he wasn't being funny, but it also seemed like he was crazy. <laughs> That's what I remember feeling watching that show. Uh, but it's like a, it's like it was like all of his like Letterman bits, but just with no bit on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of wanted him to do the Letterman Carson passive aggressive thing as a talk show host that could have been a lot of fun, but that's not what he was doing at all. Um, so, but before that, you know, when he was doing movies, he had no problem stealing entire movies out from under legendary stars like Steve Martin and Robert De Niro. Uh, and, and as funny as he was, what's interesting is you go back to his early career, you know, the first time he was in a movie, he was uncredited as a, a drummer boy in uh, Disney, Walt Disney's 20,000 Leagues 20, Under leagues, the yeah. Sea, which I thought was uh, very interesting. But uh, after that, you know, when he grew up, he, he studied, uh, you know, with, with Lee Strasberg and Uta Hagen and was, you know, a very serious actor and sort of paid his dues, you know, the way they used to say, you got to get out there and pay your dues. So he did soap operas and serialized uh, TV shows back then before, and, and Broadway, he did a lot of Broadway uh, uh, directing and acting uh, on Broadway shows, uh, and then but then it was like in the late '60s uh, the movies sort of came calling. He had a, a very small part, uh, but pivotal uh, in in Polanski's uh, Rosemary's Baby. He was he was the the doctor guy. Um, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and actually at that time he turned down. The lead in the graduate, because they didn't. He didn't feel like they were offering him enough money, and and they said, "Well, we're not, but this movie will make you a star." And he still said, "I don't care." Um, and it made Dustin Hoffman a star. So I wonder if he regretted that at all. Who yeah. knows? You know, it's like it's like Donald Sutherland and his deal on Animal House. You know. <laughs> <laughs> he should have gone with the points. Uh, anyway, uh, so after that, in 1970, he was in a movie called Catch-22. And this was the first time that he clicked on Hollywood's radar as a funny guy. He's, he's funny, you know. Um, so And that led to 1972's The Heartbreak Kid, uh, the romantic comedy he did with uh, 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 What's-Her-Face from Moonlighting. Um, and, Simple and Shepherd. right. And then that turned it basically the next couple decades. He, he was a comedic often co-star supporting a character who often steal the movies from under the leads, 
and uh, some of these highlights, some of the movies that are highlights for me anyway, uh, Real Life, the Albert Brooks mm-hmm. movie, uh, The Lonely Guy starring yep. Steve Martin, uh, Seems Like Old Times uh, starring Goldie Hawn and, and Chevy Chase, uh, and, and of course, uh, everybody's favorite, uh, Midnight Run which is really one of those rare action comedies from the eighties that has aged well, which so many of them haven't. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, despite all the cursing and the R ratedness of it, 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 it has aged very well. Um, and even when Grodin was in something not good, uh, like the King Kong remake, he, he was always a very funny highlight. like that. The thing about the King Kong movie starring Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange that I always remember is how funny Groden was in his supporting role. Um, and uh, and then, you know, in the 90s, early 90s, it, it started becoming his like movies were kind of middling. There was uh, Taking Care of Business uh, with Jim Belushi and Clifford with Martin Short and sort of like, I guess a lot of legendary actors who retire uh, tend to do it like right after the worst things they were in, like Gene Hackman leaving after Welcome to Mooseport. It's like, okay, I'm retired. And it's like, you want to go out on that? And Groden wanted to go out on Clifford as a movie star. I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird, but, you know, he was obviously tired, perhaps uh, working with Jim Belushi and then on a family movie with Martin Short and all those well, dog also movies. Well, r- r- real big dogs, yeah. Too many big yeah. dog movies. <laughs> yeah, it's just, maybe it was too exhausting and he had too much money. It's like and the classic didn't... Hollywood story of too many too dogs. Many dog <laughs> <movies>. <laughs> and and uh, as I said before, he came back to TV here and there uh, in the last decade and it, and it was always fun. Like when he like showed up on Law and Order, it would be exciting for me. I would get excited when I saw him and stuff like that. Um, and, but then I would like, but why can't he, he go back and do movies now? I want him back in the movies. I would, I would actually watch taking care of business too happily. Um, uh, so looking back, you know, on his career for me anyway, is kind of both mournful and delightful and, 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 and realizing in retrospect that I have been missing him in the movies since the nineties. And, uh, and there really wasn't anything that anybody who equated what he did on any level. And he took uh, his performances, took movies and stories to places maybe that they wouldn't have, uh, if, if he had not been involved. Um, so, uh, Basically, I wanted to find out uh, from you guys what your what Charles Grodin was to you. So let's let's talk about what he was to you, your favorites of his uh, and uh, and how do you feel about him being sexual with Miss Piggy? You know, let's talk about Midnight Run for a few hours. Um, Skelton, what what was Grodin to you? What, what, what? I think. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, Groden, like, you know, is, you know, I remember, you know, most from, you know, Midnight Run, Great Muppet Caper, um, and, and, you know, maybe a little bit more of the, of the comedic roles. But the thing that's always uh, fascinated me about Groden as an actor is, and I think it's something that it's, it's what has set him apart uh, uh, as an actor on film is... He he had uh, this uncanny ability to convey so much stuff while being absolutely still. Mm-hmm. Like his he 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 the way he used stillness to react to uh, the whatever was going on in, in whatever scene around him was that's what made him really compelling um, because there's not a lot of actors that do that. <laughs> Uh, it's really yeah. hard to make being kind of a like his characters are bland dudes, you know. Yeah. And 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 he's often a sad sack, often uptight, and it's sort of amazing how he could. But but it, but he but he's never played it like you know. Oh, I'm just I'm hunched right, over. Right, I got right. ticks. I'm I'm doing you know I'm doing all this physical stuff to convey you know my emotional uh, being. It was 
he was always very still, very calm, very controlled. And whether it was something serious, um, dramatic, or or comedic, you know, being the straight, it, it's what made him such a great straight man. Um, is just this his ability to be absolutely still in a scene, um, and that would invariably just draw your attention to him. Yeah, that's very true. And it, 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 it he. He kind of worked as a, a straight man in that way, but the funniest kind of straight man. Yeah. Yeah. Also, no one has been hornier for Miss Piggy than Charles Grodin. No, that's pretty funny. Because uh, Miss Piggy is, as we all know, is actually Frank Oz. Um, Falk, what was what was Charles Grodin for you? Well, I, I think he's an incredible reminder of how the best comic performances come out of great acting. Mm-hmm. In other words, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at some of the funniest movies of the 70s and 80s, like like The In-Laws or, or Midnight Run, um, or even going into a sillier movie, but like... Um, but like, uh, like, like, what about Bob? The, these are all actors who are just so dramatically capable as well. You know, um, Alan Arkin and Peter Falk. And um, if you look at, like, uh, you, uh, De Niro, um, John Ashton, and uh, and Charles Grodin together, the three of them, they're not comedians, you know? Mm-mm. They're really incredibly good actors, but the three of them together, for example, it's not like the three amigos where they're winking and trying to be funny. And, you know, as much as I love something yeah. like the three amigos... Um, they're, they have serious objectives and serious, uh, needs and, um, uh, like John Ashton is, he, he needs them to shut the fuck up while he's driving <laughs> and, and, you know, and De, De Niro needs Grodin to stop making him feel guilty for turning him in, for doing his job. Um, it, it's like, it reminds, it reminds me of a little bit when I saw the play Art, um, which is a Yasmina Reza, a, a French play translated into English. And I saw it with Victor Garber, Alfred Molina, and Alan Alda. And Alan Alda, I mean, and first of all, the play was absolutely hysterical. And those three actors are really, really formidable dramatic actors. But Alan Alda, <laughs> he did something that reminded me, it's very, it was very grotesque. He had a, he, he gave a look across a withering stare. I will say that's what Groden was great at, withering stare. And he gave a withering yeah. stare to, I think it was Victor Garber, whatever, or Al- Alfred Molina. And it, it, it broke the audience for five minutes, a five-minute applause break without a line, without a word spoken, a look on a stage. And Groden had the same ability to convey. I mean, it, it just if, if you look at some of the looks he gave to De Niro... they're so without saying a goddamn thing they were so vicious and and judgmental and powerful that it that it 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 crumbled uh you know a really tough hood like de niro's character in that movie um and that's that's a really really rare uh, uh, achievement for an actor and and i can't think as you said I can't think of anyone who can who can um, have that much dramatic power without saying a fucking word. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's, it, a la- it's a laser focused skill that is just, and it equates hilarity yeah. in so, in so many cases, which is I don't know. Well, it's, it, it's because it's, it's because he and it's because Groden he made it look so effortless. Like yeah, it was just naturally part of whatever character he was playing. You know, there's an element of it of it you know, being his, his own personality, but, you know, to then be able to command that at the level he could, um, yeah. with such a fine, a fine level of control well, that, that, know, to, that, to the millimeter. That character of Mardukas, he's, yeah, he is, he's so, um, relaxed, you know, he, in that movie, there's, he's not really doing anything. And he's really making De Niro squirm. It's a, yeah. and 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 then and then causing De Niro to be funnier than he's ever been. Certainly, when De Niro's trying to be funny, it's usually pretty pretty awful. Um, 
And this was him really getting frustrated with this guy. Like there's there's scenes where he's talking to him and he just and he and De Niro looks and as if he's talking to Joe Pesci next to him. He's like, can you believe this fucking guy? He gives these looks because he has to get that energy out. He has to he has to talk to someone about how fucking annoying this guy is. Uh, and, and those are some of the moments that I'll never forget. And it's it's a movie that that, as you said, it doesn't it, it, it ages incredibly well, except. You know, you can't say the director's name um, in, in public anymore, but you, you used to be able to. But uh, beyond that, that movie is uh, 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 holds up incredibly well. Well, the director a monster, Martin what? Brest. No, you just can't say his name. That's rude. Say Brest. No, or Martin. Todd, stop saying Brest. Todd. Todd. Tits. You're so so insensitive. Tits. Tits. Martin. Martin. Tits. Tits. <laughs> We're fourteen. <laughs> That's, <laughs> that's that's the he had to he had to change it for reunion reasons. It was already the Martin tits, Marty tits, <laughs> Marty tits. So obviously, we all love Groden as the Duke uh, in Midnight Run. Do you guys have other fave performances movies? Well, Lonely he... Guy, Lonely Guy is. Uh, is kind of the an, another kind of quintessential. I mean that that's that's the that's that's a Groden owning, and now and forever kind of the sad sack performance, <laughs> yeah. but with that same laser focus. Uh, that that just you know you you if you can just consistently steal focus away from Steve Martin. Yeah. That's you kind know, of amazing. In, in a comedy, yeah. In a, in a in a straight like goofy comedy, um, then yeah, that's that. There's no explanation for that other than absolute laser focused skill. <laughs> I think most of the actors he worked with too were very smart in knowing that he was owning the scenes that they were in. You know, I mean, like Steve Martin and De Niro, I thought did a good job of allowing him to go and do what he did, yeah. uh, which wasn't always the case. I mean, you, you look at Jim Belushi and taking care of business and Jim Belushi, that Jim Belushi wants that to be his movie. It, Charles Scroden's just yeah, like a I mean, thing they, you know, he has to deal with. There's a huge difference. Cause you got like a Steve Martin who clearly wants to make the comedy work and a De Niro who, you know, especially at that point in his career was still very much just considered, you know, he was a, serious actor but he wasn't that big of he, he wasn't like a the a blockbuster movie star at that point was he really he was uh, more kind of like he was more well respected yeah uh, that was serious de- actor de niro yeah yeah, yeah. in the mid 80s yeah that yeah. was de- midnight run was really de niro t- one of probably his first pitches at being a hollywood star guy. was it before Not- we're no angels or after yeah i think yeah uh, I think it was, well, it might have well, been, I, but we're in, I don't know. I think um, that same period. Same period think, yeah. It, 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 the movie doesn't age that well, but I think Heartbreak Kid is a, is a pretty gutsy role to take on. You know, it's a pretty, yeah. pretty shitty character <laughs> Yeah, who gets, yeah. <laughs> gets his head turned on his fucking honeymoon, uh, by a hottie. But, um. But I, I, I enjoy his performance. It's it's uh, it, it it somehow remains human while being not completely sympathetic at all. Yeah, yeah, I totally know what you mean. Well, you know, there's so many stars that have movies like that early in their career that you go back and you they're really charming in this movie, but it's dicey. You know, you you watch. Tom Hanks and Bachelor Party, and he's he's lovely. You know, you want to hang out with him, but when you really think about his character and what his character is doing with his friends, he's kind of a shit heel. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, totally. So th- those are those are definitely hard parts to pull off and make really funny. Um, yeah, Heartbreak Kid is great. Um, well, if uh, if you guys don't have anything else to add to the the Groden retrospective, uh, we can uh, move on to the next seg in our segmented show. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. 
that official sounding music means it's time for us to adjourn ourselves to the courthouse where a, a movie professional will be put on trial for crimes against cinema if found guilty, which quite often they are, they will be reprimanded to the Robert De Niro Maximum Security Penitentiary, a place in which Charles Grodin has never set foot. Uh, I am your Although jo- I, I think we could make him the honorary warden. He'd be, he'd be a funny <laughs> warden <laughs> of the warden. movie jail. I'm all for it. Let's make him warden. I'm down. Uh, I am your judge, uh, uh, and uh, Steve Falk, you're the bailiff this evening. Uh, who's our prosecutor? Uh, oye, oye, I'll rise uh, for the Honorable Todd uh, Q. Anderson. And uh, the prosecutor, uh, Stephen uh, Jefferson Skelton, uh, will come forth. What's the Q stand for? Jefferson. <laughs> Also, also, it's a silent Q, though. It's a silent Q. It's Q J. Yeah, apostrophe. <laughs> Who's on trial, uh, prosecutor? Oh, well, your, your Honor, um, I was a little uh, worried because I was uh, this week because I had a very busy work schedule and I was afraid I wasn't going to have time to prepare a proper case. Mm. Um, but then, uh, uh, once in a while, you, uh, you just uh, get a freebie. Uh, and so, as was mentioned earlier, uh, <clears throat> that uh, uh, the news has reported that Kevin Spacey's set for an acting return in an Italian film, um, and this is a, a small role in an independent Italian f- Italian film directed by Franco Nero. Um, that also apparently uh, Vanessa Redgrave is scheduled uh, to appear in as well. Um, so I, I, I think given the, given the fact that Spacey has uh, accusations of sexual misconduct against him in the double digits. And uh, a lot of those accus- accusers are dead. Yeah. Mysteriously um, dead. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think uh, I think we may have already put uh, Kevin Spacey in jail, but I, I think this is pretty uh, pretty easy case that everyone involved in this Italian film who had some sort of sign-off on casting and giving Kevin Spacey an acting job in a movie again should go immediately to jail, starting with Franco Nero and going straight down the list. <laughs> That's my case. <laughs> okay, that's a very, uh, very simple uh, case. Um, I am uh, going to. Ha- I'm, I'll rule. I'll rule. Um, yes, they should all uh, go to jail. All, all maximum security. All of them. Put them all in jail. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I didn't. Ha- I didn't do enough research to figure out everyone involved, but I know N- Franco Nero. Probably Vanessa Redgrave too, um, just for poor judgment. Um, but Nero definitely, and all the producers involved. Uh, if if uh, Zach Galifianakis had been involved, he would have demanded that they replace Kevin Spacey with somebody else, because that's what he did with the Hangover Part Two. Right. What? When Gibson, Gibson Mel Gibson was supposed to play the tattoo parlor guy, and Zach Galifianakis, being Jewish, said no. So he, and ta- so he said, so he said, put accused uh, rapist Mike Tyson in in the movie. That was the first one. He didn't have oh. a problem with that because uh, Mike Tyson's just a rapist and not an anti-Semite. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> you, I guess you pick, you pick and choose. You you pick your battles. You what know, was you Lithgow? Uh, what was Lithgow's take on 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 Daddy's Home Two? <laughs> he was okay with that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Did you guys hear something? I think I heard something, but I don't know. What is that? There it is again. That's weird. Uh, is that a... Oh, is Al... Oh! Oh, shit! Oh, it's fucking... Cage. He always sneaks up on us. It's never... Every it's time. never obvious. He's so good uh, in that one clip that we play on every show. Tricks us. Um, it's time for the Nick Cage Memorial Bizarre Line Reading. And this is a line reading selected, this time will be s- selected by Stephen Falk, uh, that equates the bizarreness 
of Nick Cage in his heights. Uh, it doesn't have to be Nick Cage. It could be anybody. It just has to be somewhat bizarre. Uh, Steve Falk, what's the line reading you're treating us with tonight? Well, well, th- this this is is very thematic, and and I I have to say it's not necessarily the most bizarre line reading, but it is a um, three powerhouse performances um, honoring the late uh, Charles Grodin. Um, this is uh, John Ashton and Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin uh, in a car being shot at by a helicopter. And uh, it just has some really iconic, funny lines and reads from Charles, from really all of them. Um, but it's 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 three minutes long. But I thought, what better time uh, than to uh, appreciate this uh, amazing movie than in this segment? What? That's who the hell's talking to you? Yeah, who the fuck's talking to you? He's not yours to take anymore, Whip Dick. He's mine. Did you hear that? Fuck. Now who the fuck is this? <laughs> It also uh, qualifies for. Uh, oops, sorry. <laughs> that also qualifies for a uh, uh, m- memorial shooting and uh, <laughs> helicopter sound effects. What do you guys think that? Um, you know how like uh, John Carpenter uh, uh, synth scores have come back in the last like five years. Um, do you think that like like rock guitar scores are gonna come back then? Next decade. Oh yeah, yeah. Or or like a or like a like a pop rock uh, with a saxophone. Yeah, like yeah. remember those movie, movies? Like wasn't it some of the Lethal Weapons where it was just like Eric Clapton would just like yeah. while watching yeah. the movie, yeah. and that's the score. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be uh, hilarious. That that score, Midnight Run, is one of my favorites. It's definitely my favorite track. On, I have Danny Elfman's uh, music for a darkened theater, which is a collection of his theme music. Is that Danny and Elfman? He, yeah, he did yeah, Midnight yeah, Run. Yeah, I didn't know that. And it's like it's great because it's it it starts and it's got the the track on the CD. It's like got that mellow, 
you know, midnight run mellow music. And then it kicks into that music that we were just hearing. It's such a great track. It makes nice. me happy every time I hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, get that track. You guys get it. Get um, it. Hey, do you guys, uh, are you feeling playful? I, I, I am. If, if, if I'm, Oh God. Uh Oh oh boy. That means it's time for a game. A game. We're going to play a game. You guys love eh. games. Eh. It always goes so well on this show. Can I run Can uh, I run and get a beer? Yeah, go get a beer, and then I'll explain the game. Uh, you guys need back. one? Any Anyone Anyone? Yeah, get me, a, okay. get me a 40 ounce. Okay. Yeah, email horse. me a beer. Yeah. Just hurry up. Venmo. Venmo me a beer. Cash app me a beer. I'm really uh, curious as to whether this game is... Uh, lud- too ludicrously hard or it will be too easy for you guys I, I'm wow that's a real yeah, it's a gamut I, uh, I, I, a range I don't know how it's I don't know how it's gonna go I, I'm, like so you're predicting it's either gonna be really easy mm-hmm. or really hard really hard and maybe that maybe that'll be broken and, and down who knows from quite uh, Maybe it'll be question to question. One will be easier. I don't know. I it's I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, but I, I'm excited about it. I think it'll be fun. Um, I vamped enough about the game. I can't explain it I until Fog gets like, back with his fucking like, beer. You know, it, how long yeah, does it take sorry to get guys. a beer? Sorry, guys. So the, the, this beer is an <laughs> NFT, so I'm sending it right over to you. <laughs> Thanks. All right, I'm gonna. I'll. I'll uh, get some Ethereum to you on the blockchain. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I'll send you some Bitcoin. Um, so this game I've I've called the interview. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. And each of you will get uh, three shots at this, three apiece. Um, and each time it's your turn, I will interview you as if you're a character that Charles Grodin played in one of his movies. Oh, boy. So I ask you three questions in the interview and uh, do your best to answer them as you think Grodin might and then use the clues that are in the questions to try and figure out what movie it's from and what his character's name is. Oh, my God. Now, if you get the movie title, you get a point. You get the character name, you get another point. Um... I'm not going to, and if you get it, it in one question, that's great. That's impressive, but you don't get any extra points for doing it in less than three uh, interview questions. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the simple thing. So I guess it's uh, who wants to go first? Should we Rochambeau it? Do you want to Roche- Rochambeau? You're this was going to be too easy, you said? It's either going to be really too hard or too easy. It dep- It really depends. Um, l- but let's Rochambeau to see who goes first. You ready? Rock, paper, scissors. Buh, buh, buh. Uh, Falk has scissors. You have paper, okay, Scott. Right. So I Falk, got paper. Falk goes first. Uh, Steven. Uh, uh, my, my child recently um, asked about Rochambeau and asked me to explain why paper beats rock and it didn't go well. <laughs> it's like it's like trying to explain the Holy Ghost to yeah. a child. I but rock destroys everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. the paper wouldn't do anything to a rock. It's a really solid point. Um, all right, Steve Falk, you're going first. So I'm going to interview you. You're a character played by Charles Grodin. Why do you despise homeless men? I'm sorry, I lost connection for a second. Can uh, uh, you start over? Yeah, sure. The first question in your interview is, why do you despise homeless men? Why? You you can just answer it as best you can. You don't have to... They're dirty, stinky. Hmm. How many cardboard cutouts did you rent for your party exactly? How many was it? Is this Lonely Guy? 
it is. You got it in two questions. The other one was, uh, nice. why do you spend so much time talking to your fern? So you have one point there. Do you know, by chance, his character's <clears throat> name, Stephen? I do not. Character's name was Warren. Warren. But you got, you're on the board. Good job. Nice. Nicely done. Good okay, job. Rabbits, rabbits live there. <laughs> Skelton. Yeah. Why do you think it's wrong to steal a truck, but it's okay to steal a plane? Wait a minute. Are, is I'm asking you questions. You're Charles Grodin. Are you character. asking me? I am Charles Grodin, but you're asking me. Okay, I thought you were asking me a question as Charles Grodin. No, you're Charles Grodin. I'm an interviewer asking oh. you questions. Okay. Okay. And uh, so, uh, and then the next question is, why do you think tipping a full fifteen percent is so important? Well, it's, you know, people work very hard. Waitstaff works very hard, and uh, they uh, uh, they deserve the compensation. Are you really afraid to fly? Well, wait. Am I? When am I? Am I supposed to guess? Yeah, yeah. Well, you can guess. Oh, okay. I, all right. Well, it's Midnight Run. There you go. And it's the Duke, Mardukas. That's right. So you got two points. Well done. So uh, it seems like this is... That was the easiest one. Well, uh, the first two are the easiest. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, Falk, you ready? All right. Your first question in your interview is, why do you refuse to help police officers? Why? I don't like to get involved. (laughs) <laughs> Why are you so negative all the time? Uh, it's the outlook. It's how I see things. It's just, you're just constantly saying no. Can you, can you please just give me a ride? Just give me a ride. Please. Uh, um, uh, I don't know. what is this the Albert Brooks movie that he was in? <laughs> no. I don't know what this is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew it was going to get hard once we got past those first two. Uh, this is uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer, in oh. which he has a cameo, and oh, wow. uh, What's-His-Face is a cop, and he's the yeah. commandeer yeah, this, driver. Like, difficulty level just spiked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Skeleton, you ready? Yeah. This is going to be tough, man. Uh, your first question is, why would you bring your family to what is clearly a sex resort? Why would you do that? It was a uh we had got a very good deal on the on the rooms. <laughs> Does that Pino guy make you uncomfortable in any way? Wait, what? The Pino guy. His name is Pino. Oh. Does he make uh... you uncomfortable? He's a little, yeah, a little uncomfortable. Uh, and uh, doesn't that that bartender at your uh, at your sex resort doesn't he look like John Lovitz? A lot, kind of looks like that guy. He does resemble John Lovitz, yes. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that the is that Heartbreak Kid? No. Nah. Oh well, I'm yeah. It's uh, the movie Last Resort, produced by Roger Corman. Oh, good God. Uh, in which he played George Lawler. My, I was trying to, I was like, my brain was telling me Grodin had been in a resort picture, but I could, e- even with the title, the word resort in the <laughs> title, I couldn't remember. <laughs> and it has, it's a crazy movie. Because it's low budge and it's got so many people in it. Uh, uh, I think uh, um, Megan Mullally's in it. She's. I think she. I have very. I have a very vague recollection of the movie. I think she plays his daughter in that. And then, and then the guy Pino is played by Mario Van Peebles. It's a very dicey performance. Uh, and Phil Hartman's in it, and John Lovitz is in it. Yeah. No. It's like it's. There's a. I. It's. In a fog, in it's in a memory fog. Uh, I probably have seen it. Yeah, I mean it's it's not very good, but you know, it's got some jokes. Definitely hasn't aged well. Um, Steve Falk, back to you. This is your last one. Ready? Uh, yeah. 
How long have you been the promotion specialist for Petrox? 15 years. Hmm. And just how far are you willing to go to find oil deposits? How far? Mm. If I don't have to get dirty, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the depth it requires. And is Shea Stadium, do you really think Shea Stadium is big enough for your show that you're putting on? Do you, are you sure it's large enough? Was this the Great Muppet Caper? Nah. No. No, oh. I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's King Kong. Oh. Oh, my God. Uh, he was Fred Wilson. Um, I should have been more obvious and said something about a giant monkey. Well, I mean, this game's basically over, but Skelton, we'll, we'll uh, do your last one, see how you do. Uh, are, okay. Are you an advertising executive because you're uptight, or are you uptight because you're an advertising executive? What's the difference? Mm. Are you in the habit of befriending escaped convicts? Not normally, no. And did you ever find your filofax? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you actually did, but it's it's fine. What do you think that is? Wait, I'm trying to think. Is this this is a this seems like a later period Groden, mm. or a mid to later period? Why is this over? I thought we both got one. Is it taking care of business? It is taking care of business. No, that's correct. Well, now it's uh, over. Do you know the? Do you know the? No, I don't know his character. It's Spencer Barnes. Come on. Oh, Spencer Barnes. Spencer Barnes. Get oh, it was together. This over, it was over because he got two. He got the name of the. He got two. Yeah. Okay. You got, yeah. Yeah. I got the. I got. I, I got, got the, the only. Run. I got the only movie where either of us would actually remember the character's name. Gotcha. You got, yeah, yeah, sorry, you got screwed. Because none of his other character names I can remember. No. Warren, now I know Warren. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a fun game. You guys did great, I thought. I was was impressed. Good job. Look, much like like Pac-Man Jr., they can't all be winners, Todd. Not every game (laughs) can be real fun (laughs) or necessary. Uh, uh, that those sad kids means it's time for the bottom five. So I'm getting into the bottom five Charles Grodin movies, in my humble mm. opinion. This is, Fifth this worst. is a sad way to end. I hope there's a I hope there's a nice thing at the end. We'll see. God, yeah. We'll see. Um, worst Grodin movies. Number five, the fifth worst, The Couch Trip. Starring uh, Dan Aykroyd and Walter Matthau. Do you remember that one? Ooh, yeah. Charles Grodin's a psychiatrist who needs a substitute, and a crazy person played by uh, Dan Aykroyd, I think, uh, takes his place. Wow. Um, and hijinks ensue uh, that aren't funny. Uh, low jinks. Yeah, low jinks. Uh, the, uh, the fourth uh, worst uh, is Ishtar. Uh, the war- I, I uh, don't war- mind Ishtar. No, I know people don't mind Ishtar, but like really, I'm looking at his worst movies, and you know, it's one of the worst. Uh, third worst is uh, Beethoven. Yeah. Fourth worst is Clifford. Ooh, two uh, dogs uh, in a row. Uh, uh, and first worst is Beethoven's second. Which is a little confusing. But C- Clifford's, it's confusing because Clifford's not a dog movie, it's not Clifford the Big Red Dog. Clifford is Martin Short's Martin character. Short. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, I forgot. Yeah. Hey, but wait. So the the Roger Corman movie is better than uh, Ishtar. I think so, but you know, I have an affinity for those kind of movies. Yeah. Um. Oh. Now it's time for a bit of a salve, a moment of positivity after all that sadness that we just And good, and good, Todd. Send us off happy. Yes. Yeah. Um, Even when the movies weren't as good as Charles Grodin, Charles Grodin was always great and always dedicated 
I'm not a guy who phoned things in. You'll find plenty of things to enjoy in the bad movies I just listed. And that is Charles Grodin's impressive legacy. And we get to keep watching his movies as long as we want. Isn't that awesome? I'm probably going to watch Midnight Run again tonight. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I love that movie so much. Uh, and that's, that's it. That's our Film Pig show uh, for this month. And uh, I would like to thank Stephen Skelton. Oh, thank you. I would like to thank Stephen Falk. I'm here. That's me. I did it. And as always, I'd like <laughs> to it. thank uh, Adam Blau for our incredible music. And, Adam Blau. And I have been Todd Robert Anderson. And you have been. Still are. What? What? You, you, you will continue to be. Is I yeah. will continue to be Todd Robert Anderson. And, uh, and thank you, of course, to Charles Grodin for all the laughs and good times. And we'll see you next time on the Film Picks. <laughs> There's a helicopter flying over my building right now. Oh, my God. I've had constant a helicopter constantly hovering in my neighborhood for days now. It's the Con Edison people, like looking for fires or something. Oh. Okay. Did they just like hover over your house and just yell down at you? Hey, have you seen any fires? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I can't hear them over the sound of the helicopter though. It's very loud. 